It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the final regular season edition of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. I am Gabe DeArmond. Mitchell Forty is somewhere probably already eating turkey for Thanksgiving. We'll get him here uh, remotely soon. But first, we're going to check in with Andrew Hutchinson from Hogbeat.com. They cover the Arkansas Razorbacks for the Rivals.com network, Missouri and Arkansas, tomorrow at 1.30. Andrew, what's going on, man? Oh, it's going good. Just trying to get a little bit of Thanksgiving stuff in before hitting the road for Columbia. Yeah, you just uh, you cram your entire work week into like two and a half days so you can still have an actual <laughs> holiday. That's how it works. Yep, it's tough. It's tough for sure. All right, now I want to start with the hard-hitting stuff, uh, the important things, which is two starting defensive backs being suspended for trying to get cheerleaders' phone numbers before the game. And, like, look, I get you're not supposed to do it, but, I mean, this is kind of normally the thing that probably doesn't become public and doesn't turn into a suspension. So kind of what happened? Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, I feel like, been blown out of proportion. I mean, I saw on our message board somebody was talking about how Rush Limbaugh has weighed in on it. I mean, it's been on every – you know, every national website imaginable and everything. So, I mean, it's been way blown out of proportion. And, I mean, the whole thing, you know, probably wouldn't be a thing if Arkansas wasn't 2-9 and nine and right. just played as poorly as they did against Mississippi State. Um, you know, it was actually a, a former Arkansas player, D.J. Williams, a, a Mackey Award winner at tight ends. Uh, he's actually now in the media uh, working with a local TV station. And, and I guess he noticed before the game that they were – exchanging information, which AKA getting phone numbers and things like that with, I guess it was the Mississippi state dance team um, before the game. I I was under the impression it was before warmups. I mean, this is several hours before the game and, you know, uh, DJ asked about it in the post game press conference, you know, what do you think about that? And, you know, Chad was very, very upset already and just said, you know, that's, that's unacceptable. And then he obviously came out Monday with, uh, the suspensions uh, brought it up in his opening remarks. So, I mean, it was something he addressed right off the bat. And really, I mean, the, it was almost like, you know, I think the the suspensions are a little much, as yeah. you kind of mentioned. I mean, that seems a little excessive. But uh, just based on the, the fan reaction that it got from, you know, the – because, uh, I mean, I think a few media people wrote about it. and I mean, I stayed away from it. Cause, I mean, I'm like, who cares? They were flirting with cheerleaders. The season's already done. Um, and, you know, these guys, you know, hey, shoot your shot. Um, exactly. And so, exactly. So, uh, they, uh, it, it probably wouldn't have been a deal if the fans didn't just absolutely lose their minds over, you know, the, the players flirting with, you know, cheerleaders before the game. I mean, that kind of, I think, felt like it's, force Chad's hand and plus Chad is trying to you know instill a culture at Arkansas his own culture where it's like you know we're we're getting past all this losing all this bad attitude you're uh, weeding out the the weeds of you know the Brett Bielema era and here we are you know they're suspending two starters in the secondary which is not going to bode well for Arkansas against Missouri I'm afraid yeah the uh you know, last year there was video of Michael Porter Jr. obviously was hurt, but it was like on the ESPN broadcast, he's sitting on the bench, like pointing out attractive co-eds in the, uh, in the stands <laughs> at Rupp Arena. Like, I, I hate to not play the role of uh, old guy, but like breaking news, 20-year-olds think 
girls are attractive and might want to talk to them. Uh, I don't really think this is a big deal. It's just kind of funny. But it, is it a big deal for Arkansas on the field? Like, I, I mean, look, we understand where Arkansas is right now. They're a three-touchdown underdog anyway. Uh, but coming in and facing Drew Locke in his final uh, final home game, I don't think you really want to be without half your starting secondary. Yeah, it's kind of a scary thought. I mean, I saw where, where Drew Locke needs like 1,500 yards to break the SEC passing yeah. uh, record. And I said, hey, he might get there midway through the third quarter <laughs> against this secondary uh, because, you know, Ryan Pooley is, is Arkansas's best corner, although he played his worst game of the season against Mississippi State. Um, uh, he, he's actually, a, I mean, I guess considered an NFL prospect. Uh, so losing him is huge, especially when you replace them with a redshirt freshman. So you're going to have two redshirt freshmen starting at corner. Uh, the safety, Cam Curl, you replace him with a true freshman in Joe Fouché, uh, who has had good moments, but, again, he's a true freshman. Uh, so three of your starting you know, four guys in the secondary are, are going to be freshmen or redshirt freshmen. Uh, that leaves Santos Ramirez, a fifth-year senior, as your only like upperclassman. He's a safety, but... Really, he's he's kind of struggled. He's probably the guy fans wish was flirting with the cheerleaders and got suspended <laughs> because he has struggled, you know, mightily this season, which is really unfortunate because he's a, he's a good guy, he's a great quote, uh, things like that. But and he's a team leader, he's a team captain, but he struggled on the field. So it, it could get ugly on on Friday, I'm afraid, just because of the the secondary has already struggled this year, and you take out arguably their top two players and replace them with a freshman, a true freshman and a redshirt freshman, uh, that's, uh, that's a scary thought. And, and then I, I just saw the headline, like another Arkansas defensive back got hit by a car? Yeah. Yeah, What's that just that? kind of shows you That just kind of shows you how the how the season has gone for Arkansas. I mean, I mean is he all right? It, he, he's okay based on everything we've heard. Uh, he went to the hospital, got checked out and everything. It, it kind of a, the, the player he got hit is, is somewhere that is – obviously an issue i mean he was in a crosswalk uh but you know being on a college campus college kids are looking down at their phones not paying attention uh, there was a media member that got hit in about the same spot a couple of years ago um and so i mean he's he's a reserve uh defensive back he probably wasn't going to play probably not even make the trip um but still it just kind of shows you just kind of how crazy of a, a season it has been for arkansas when you know, before the last game of the year, you've got a guy getting hit by a car. Uh, but luckily, he should be okay, okay. Uh, thankfully. Okay, so this is kind of an interesting flip from what this game was two years ago. When Arkansas came in here, they had a bowl bid locked up. I, I think they were either 8-3 and three or 7-4, and four, and Missouri was playing for absolutely nothing and somehow, you know, staged this second-half comeback. Um, Barry Odom has shown an ability over the last three years to when everyone has given up on his team – to kind of drag them back. So I think he's got kind of a blueprint to to warn his team against, hey, this is an Arkansas team that you think they don't have anything to play for, and I know they look like they gave up last week, but you just did this to them two years ago. So what's your read on, on where Arkansas is? I mean, it, it certainly looked like a team, and you hate to use the Q word, but it looked like a team that didn't have a whole lot of fight left in it last week, but do you think they can find some for Friday? You know, they had been showing a lot of fight in recent weeks. I mean, the LSU game a couple of weeks ago, they, they got down by, I think, three touchdowns, fought back with a couple of fourth-quarter touchdowns, got within uh, seven points, and, and really kind of put a scare in LSU. Uh, 
Uh, and so I was thinking, well, maybe they, maybe they do have a little bit of fight in them. But the, the Mississippi State game, that kind of all went out the window. Uh, there were times in the game where it looked like they might make it competitive. I think it was 17-3 to at halftime. Arkansas got the ball and went down and seemingly scored a touchdown but got called off with the offensive pass interference on a pick play. Uh, instead of being 17-10, to it was 17-6, to having to settle for a field goal. And then from there, it was 31-6 to in a blink of an eye. Uh, Arkansas had a punter just drop a perfect snap and, and got, gave uh, Mississippi State the ball inside the five. Uh, there were times where the secondary just looked completely lost. Uh, there were times where the offense, uh, the, the offensive line was non-existent. Running backs had nowhere to go. Uh, the quarterbacks were running for their lives. And uh, it, it just looked like an all-around just horrible performance. And it did look like they kind of kind of quit on the season, which was the first time you really saw that this season, uh, which is kind of disappointing. So I'm just not sure how they're going to respond. I mean, Chad Morris was – was pissed off after the game. I mean, I've never seen him that angry. Uh, he he's usually more of an upbeat, you know, cliche coach speak kind of guy, and he was he was almost shaking. He was so angry after the game on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see how the players respond to that. Uh, if some of them just kind of check out and just say, "Hey, I'm out of here," uh, but you know that it's it's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out. I I just don't see any way. Uh, Arkansas can keep this game close based on what I saw on Saturday at Mississippi State. Just a few more minutes with Andrew Hutchinson from hogbeat.com. And I, I mean, I think everybody's, I think I picked a, a four touchdown win. I think everybody's doing that for Missouri. But if Arkansas is going to make this interesting, what has to happen? You know, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to find a way to stop Drew Locke. I mean, that, that's going to be pretty much the, the major key is, is can they stop Drew Locke? I think the weather's supposed to be bad, so that yeah. might play into Arkansas's favor, uh, you know, make it a little bit difficult to pass the ball. Arkansas is not going to really pass the ball itself. Uh, you know, they, they, are tip, they typically, if they're going to move the ball, they're going to get the run game going with Rakeem Boyd. You know, Devall Whaley came back from, from an injury last week and gave a few uh, really strong carries, I thought, so – you're going to need to get that one-two punch going at running back, and then also you're going to have to find a way somehow, some way to stop uh, Drew Locke because uh, the secondary, you know, I, we've already talked about that. I mean, that, that's going to be a struggle, but maybe you can get a, a good pass rush up front. You know, uh, Randy Ramsey and uh, uh, Dorian Gerald have, have come – Dorian Gerald's the guy that's come on strong lately. He's a JUCO transfer, finally kind of finding his groove at defensive end, and you know, moving Sosa game inside at tackle alongside uh, Armand Watts, who is a Missouri guy. Yeah. You know, he's had an incredible season so far. Maybe he can come out and, and help kind of get some pressure on Drew Locke and make him uncomfortable and throw him off his game. Because I don't, I don't see Arkansas being able to win a shootout, uh, you know, like last year's game was. I think it be, I see it being more of a, if Arkansas is going to have any chance, being a more of a low-scoring game where they kind of pound it out on the ground uh, and, and win that way. So I, I've covered my share of seasons, football and basketball that are like just dead going into the last couple of weeks. It's not a lot of fun. Everybody talks about the future. So, I mean, I've got to imagine that people are, are still pretty excited about where Chad Morris is going. I think he's got 11, four stars and, you know, Missouri and Arkansas are both kind of in the mix for, for Kelly Bryant, which could be kind of an instant shot in the arm. So attitude toward the future, still uh, very excited in Fayetteville. 
Yeah, I think so. The, the ones that the, the optimistic fans are looking at that recruiting class. I think it's ranked 11th nationally last I checked. Uh, that would be by far the best class in school history, uh, dating back to when rivals started doing it in 2002. Uh, that would be uh, incredible. Uh, obviously, you can't really count on all those guys coming in and making an immediate impact, but you mentioned Kelly Bryant. I think, I think next season's bowl hopes hinge on whether or not Kelly Bryant comes to Arkansas. You know, Obviously, everyone's like, well, why would Kelly Bryant come to that dumpster fire in Arkansas? Well, he has a really good relationship with Chad Morris, dating back to when Chad was the, the offense coordinator at Clemson. He's actually who recruited Kelly before leaving to take the head coaching job at SMU. Uh, so they have a really good relationship with him and also the offensive coordinator, Joe Craddock. Uh, you know, our, uh, our message board uh, members have noticed that Kelly Bryant has annou- is announcing his decision on December 4th, which happens to be Chad Morris's 50th birthday. Uh, could just be a coincidence or it could be something that Kelly Bryant's doing to say, hey, coach, I'm coming to, to be with you. It would be more of a relationship deal because, you know, just looking on paper, I mean, places like Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State, those are places have more talent there and probably would lead to more success with Kelly Bryant at quarterback, uh, whereas Arkansas, they would be lucky to be getting the six wins in a bowl game if Kelly Bryant comes to Arkansas. So uh, I think that there's some optimism there, but it probably all hinges on uh, Kelly Bryant's decision here in a couple of weeks. All right, we'll finish you up then. Speaking of optimism, uh, Daniel Gafford went bananas the other night. Arkansas beat Indiana. Um, SEC's absolutely loaded. Uh, Do you think Mike Anderson has enough, though, to be one of those tournament teams? You know, I was – not feeling too good about Arkansas coming into the season, but they, they played Texas really tough in the opener, uh, probably should have won that game. Uh, they knocked off Indiana, a team that I thought Arkansas didn't really have much of a chance to beat before the season. Uh, so, hey, maybe they can pick up, finish out the non-conference really strong. That Indiana get, uh, win is going to look really good on its resume uh, by the time March rolls around. So, I mean, I think Arkansas could maybe go 500 in the SEC, maybe finish in the middle of the pack, 7th, 8th, and get one of those last spots in the NCAA tournament. Uh, if they can do that, it would be an incredible coaching job with, by Mike. I mean, the, it's a young team, I think six freshmen, nine newcomers, guys that haven't ever played for Arkansas uh, when you throw in a, a transfer and a JUCO transfer and guys like that. So, if if they can get to the tournament this year, it would be a huge accomplishment by Mike Anderson because even before the season, I thought it was more of a, a 500 type of team rebuilding year that setting the stage for maybe next year being the really good year. Uh, but, man, they, they look good. I mean, Daniel Gafford looks like a preseason all-SEC kind of guy the other day. Isaiah Joe is a freshman that can shoot from anywhere in the gym. So, uh, it, they have shown some reasons for optimism that they could maybe sneak in in the NCAA tournament, which would be, uh, as I said, an incredible feat by Mike Anderson. Yeah, and Mike is one of those guys who tends to, I think, do his best when people just kind of aren't paying any attention to him. Oh, yeah, and that's what we've seen so far, and, and maybe that can be uh, the case this year. Because, man, that, that would be a, a, a shock to pretty much everybody if they make the tournament this year. Yeah, all right, Andrew. Appreciate it, man. Uh, have a good Thanksgiving, and we'll uh, we'll see you here Friday afternoon. All right, looking forward to it. All right, have a good one, Andrew Hutchinson from Hogbeat.com. Covers the Razorbacks for Rivals, giving you guys kind of the insight into. 
Friday's matchup, which again, shouldn't be a game, but you know, weird things happen. That's why they go ahead and play. So, uh, We'll probably go ahead and cover it, too, because, you know, I mean, what else do we have to do the day after Thanksgiving? Hey, uh, Mizzou fans, Christmas is coming up, and it is time. uh, You probably need to get a few gifts for people on your list, maybe stuff a couple of stockings. You should go to markskid.com and make your mark on the world while Missouri does it on the football field. Switch your underwear to Mark Skid, the new eco-friendly company started by one of you guys, a Mizzou fan. You can go to markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com, and every pair of underwear you order, they will donate $4 on your behalf to one of their four-star charities dedicated to save, feed, and cure the world. One pair of underwear can provide safe drinking water to a person for seven years, feed a child in the developing world for 12 days, or vaccinate two children. So everybody needs some stocking stuffers. Look, you, you always need to throw a pair of boxers in the stocking for your kids, for your husband, for your friends, whatever. I don't know why you're buying a Christmas pre- a stocking stuffer for your friends, but if you do it, go to Mark Skid, uh, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. Use the checkout code POWERMAZOO. You get 15% off of your order and free shipping inside the United States. Thanks to Mark Skid for sponsoring the PowerMazoo.com podcast. All right, now live via remote on uh, flowpodcast.com. Um, Mitchell Forty joining us uh, back in Louisville, headed back for the game sometime Thursday night. Uh, Mitch, we just talked to Andrew Hutchinson, who covers Arkansas. They had two defensive backs suspended for flirting with cheerleaders. One was hit by a car. <laughs> Things are going well in Fayetteville. Yeah, I uh, you know I, did, I didn't want to let the uh, people go a week without hearing my voice, but uh, they appreciate but they, that. I don't have <laughs> I don't have a, probably a whole lot to add about this matchup, you know, and writing, writing our, our weekly preview and all that. It, like I, I, at one point was thinking, you know, maybe Mizzou starts off flat emotion senior day and, and Arkansas has a chance, but like, even if Mizzou does that and plus Arkansas 10 points, I don't, I don't really see a scenario in which Mizzou loses short of like, you know, freak lightning strike type you know turnover action i don't know Light, lightning disasters. lightning could strike in special teams where i noticed in the preview uh it's still the one area where we're never going to give missouri an edge not until, not until they do something different yeah it's uh it, it's not gone all that well but um so you wrote on uh i guess it was wednesday morning about kind of the senior class and and I thought Ryan Walter's quote was pretty apt. I mean, I'm not sure any program in the country has gone through what these guys have gone through in their four or five years on campus. Uh, everybody's obviously going to focus on Drew Locke, but just the, the, I don't even, I guess, ridiculousness of you come to a team that played for an SEC championship and was on the verge of a national title, and then it was really just thrown into chaos. I mean, uh, I think this is a class that, we don't really know what their legacy is until we see what happens after they're gone. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, you know, definitely. I, like you said, it, it's more than just Drew Locke, but the piece I wrote focuses fairly heavily on Drew Locke just because that's, you know, who, who was available to us. And, and that's also, I mean, he's as the quarterback, he's always going to be the guy who, you know, legacy is most, I guess, talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it is interesting. I think, uh, like you said, I, I think, I think their legacy was was very murky for a while and still sort of is, but that, that went over Florida just in talking to everyone on uh, 
on Monday, I think did a, did a whole lot for them. Um, you know, we, we said all along that in order to, to kind of take a step forward this season, you have to, uh, you have to beat, you have to, you have to beat a ranked team and you have to win eight games. Um, and you know, that, that win kind of allowed them to, to, to get to the point where eight games was realistic and more importantly, just got that monkey off the back of, of Barry Odom and Drew Locke and, uh, you know, like without that, his legacy was going to be, he was great. He racked up stats and he didn't beat a good team. So, yeah. I, you know, I think that was huge. Um, like you said, we'll see if, if they can, you know, continue the success, you know, for the next year, a couple of years and, and kind of entrench Barry Odom as a guy that we really might look back at, at this class as, as the one that, uh, they kind of turned it around. It is also possible that, you know, we just look back and say they, they had a nice 2018 season. So Right. Yeah. This, Drew's legacy to me is a little bit like, and this is kind of blasphemy mentioning him in the same sentence, but I actually have a point. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit like Brad Smith's legacy, which when Brad left, the legacy was, I mean, he took them from terrible to relevant. They mattered. He put up a lot of numbers. He didn't really win anything, but like he made them decent. And then Brad's legacy became so much bigger because without without Brad, Chase Daniel doesn't come here. So Brad's legacy became bigger when Chase Daniel did what he did. So if Drew Locke, I think his legacy changes if over the next two or three years, Missouri is a team that gets to 10 wins or gets to an SEC title game. I think people will look more favorably and say, hey, Drew Locke kind of led us out of the wilderness into the point where we were good enough to get there. Yeah, and also, and if you know, if he goes on to be a, a good pro and right. is the type of guy who comes back and is visible around here, but yeah, I mean, you know, you're to, you're totally right. Even even I do even think that you know is, is almost a, a tad unfair, but that is how it's going to work. But given you know the fact that he was such a highly touted prospect and, and stuck it out through all that he did, I, I mean, you know, he definitely. I mean, in, just in writing that piece and kind of recounting everything that this class has gone through, it's kind of remarkable that you know, as many stuck around as, as did. So, you know, it, it is definitely a, he, he deserves to have a, have a good send off on Friday. Yeah. And they're, they're losing. I mean, I was surprised kind of when I ran through it on Monday, I mean, a lot of guys in this class are contributors. So let's take drew out of the equation, which mm-hmm. guy that they're losing is the toughest to replace. Probably Therese Hall, just from like a leadership perspective. Um, you know, we have the coaches always talking about him being, kind of the emotional leader of the defense. I know there was, you know, talk that over the off season, he was the guy who would like arrange the Saturday workouts when, you know, the team could only be with the, the coaches for eight hours a week. And he was the guy who would sit people down and, you know, work on their film study habits and stuff. So that's, that's obviously going to be tough to replace. Um, you know, Cale Garrett is obviously a vocal guy. I don't know. If, I don't know how well he can step into that role. I would assume decently well, but uh, Therese also, you know, has played almost every snaps this season aside from when he got ejected for targeting. So that that's probably probably my guess. You know, Terry Bagner's the guy whose name comes up alongside Drew Locke as often, but uh I think they're they're deep enough at defensive tackle that, that they should be okay. And the other guy I was, you know, debating about between with Therese was Emmanuel Hall. Obviously right. he makes a huge, huge difference when he's on the field, but I didn't go with him just because I actually think Cam Scott is like a clone of Emmanuel Hall. And while he's not there yet, obviously, I do think he can. Uh, he should be able to take on a bigger role as he kind of gets bigger and some more strength. Yeah, between him and, and Jalen Knox and and you know some of the guys they've got coming in, I 
I, I think wide receiver is a replaceable position, even though Missouri this year is proving that um, not obviously to be the case. The other guy is is Paul Adams, who I talked to a couple people this yeah. week and thought, you know, I, my reaction is that, that Adams hasn't had a great year, but I think he is treated a little bit unfairly, kind of like a cornerback. Like when the right tackle screws up, you always see it. He's always facing yeah. the other team's best guy, and if he gets beat, that it, there's there's nothing else there. I mean, if the left guard gets beat, you might not know. If the if the right tackle gets beat, everybody knows. So the people I talked to said, you know, I, he maybe he hasn't been an All SEC guy, but like he's been better than I think people give him credit for. Yeah, I could definitely see that. You know, like you said, a, a lineman usually wants to to be pretty anonymous. I will say with with Adams one. He, he kind of there has been a few games against the really top tier teams. The George game comes to mind where, I mean, he was he was having major problems, you know, yeah. almost every play. Also, I do think that the coaching staff really liked Hyron White. Uh, he stepped in for Yasir Durant, I think, in that Purdue game and played really well. So yeah, Hyron Wright, uh, Larry sure Borum, I think a, we'll get a look. Yeah, I'm not sure how how big of a drop off that'll be, but I mean, certainly Paul Adams also is one of those dudes who everyone you know raves about as, as just kind of a teammate. So that'll be a blow. All right, so we'll finish up. Uh, I know that you, at least for a part of the weekend, watched uh, the stream of the Missouri basketball tournament, which would sometimes just randomly go to commercial, and it was very yeah. difficult to follow. Uh, like, I, this team needs Jordan Geist to score 23 points a game right now, I guess. Yeah, that's not going to be a you know a viable strategy going forward, probably. Yeah, I watched the Oregon State game. We were traveling during the Kennesaw State game, and then I listened to the Kansas State game on the radio. Um, you know, it's just right. The, the, the biggest issue right now is, I mean, aside from just the, the surface level issue of scoring, it's like we knew they were going to need Jeremiah Tillman to score and and to be a force in the offense. And right now, it's looking more like the exception that that happens as opposed yeah. to you know, I think everyone knew an issue is, you know, he's going to have those nights where he gets in foul trouble or he gets, he, he kind of loses his aggressiveness, but that's looking more like the rule and that can't happen. Like th this team just can't have that because not enough players on the perimeter can score. Right. And he's the so, guy who's hurt the most by Jonte being gone because if Jonte's there, he's just like the other guy, but now he's the focus absolutely. of everything. And, and I don't think he's mm -hmm. ready to be the focus of everything. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think other teams just can take him, kind of psych him out, take him out of his game too easily with these double teams. So, I mean, you know, I, there's no easy answer, but you, what you would like to see is just kind of everyone, you know, around him take their play up a notch and, and most importantly knock down some perimeter shots and kind of draw the defense out so that you can get the ball to Tillman. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, like, Mizzou didn't have a terrible tournament. It's not like I come away – you know, feeling right. like, you know, this team has no hope. I mean, beating Oregon State's good. I have no idea how good they are. But, you know, and they, they didn't – it didn't sound like they played awful against Kansas State. Kansas State's just a really good team, and they made shots, and that's going to happen. Yeah, Kansas so, State played really well. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the jury's still out. I, I still – I'm not going to deviate much from my preseason prediction, which was about 16 wins. But they, they do – I mean, they just – they need some of these guys on the perimeter. You know, Mark Smith or, you know, Torrance Watson is – looked like he's not really ready yet. They, they, just, they need those guys to, to be a little bit more consistent to help Jordan Geist out because, I mean, it's, you know, you love everyone raves about his 
grittiness and his defense and his leadership. But, I mean, he is just not the type of guy who's going to score 20 points a game at conference play. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, all right, by the time through the magic of technology we let everybody actually listen to this, it is going to be Thanksgiving. So I know everybody's ideal Thanksgiving is a six-hour drive, which you will be doing later <laughs> on Thursday. But uh, prior to that, um, uh, Mother 40 uh, makes a good meal? Yeah, so we well, one we have one fun family Thanksgiving tradition where we all – play football in the neighborhood park a bunch of uh family members and friends uh from the family so that that's always a good time uh i haven't played since last year i was thinking about this thing it's like the longest stretch i've gone in my life since i could walk about playing a game of football so i'll need to do plenty of stretching uh there's also some some older members of the family who are always at the risk of you know devastating injury uh but that's fun and then and then yeah grandma cooks the meal and we all go over to her house she lives in the same neighborhood as us so we have a big family gathering there. All right. Well, uh, I, I don't plan to talk to you until Friday, but if you like tearing ACL in the family football game and, <laughs> and can't make it back, I would appreciate a heads up. Yeah, I'll still make it. Don't worry. I'll play I'll play through the pain. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Have a good one, man. All right. Yeah. All right. Mitchell Forty joining us live via remote. Not live by the time you guys listen to it, live by the time I'm talking or at the time I'm talking to him. But uh, back home in, in Louisville for Thanksgiving and uh, certainly want to uh, wish everybody listening to this a happy Thanksgiving. Not sure how many of you will will actually download it on Thursday. Hopefully you're kind of hanging out with family, maybe having a cocktail, watching uh, watching some football. But maybe Friday morning before uh, before you come out to Faro Field, listen to this and uh, get set for kickoff. Missouri one win away from what I think would be considered Maybe not universal, but but widely considered a successful regular season. And then it will be on to uh, whatever bowl game. At this point, we would think it's narrowed down to Nashville, Jacksonville, or Tampa in all likelihood. Uh, we'll get news about that a week from Sunday after the conference title games. Uh, Missouri basketball on Monday against Temple at home. So taking a... a Quiet day on Thursday. Hopefully you all enjoy it. And then uh, back at it full-time, 1.30 Friday afternoon, Mizzou and Arkansas on CBS to finish up the regular season. Uh, the podcast certainly is going to continue all through basketball season. Every Thursday we will have a podcast. So uh, hope that you guys continue to listen even though the regular season is over. And want to thank, once again, throughout the football season, Mark Skid for sponsoring the podcast. One more reminder whether uh, it's a stocking stuffer or whether, hey, it's just time you, you need some new underwear, go to markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. They will donate $4 of every pair you buy to one of their four-star charities. You get to choose whether you want to save, feed, or cure the world. One pair provides safe drinking water to a person for seven years, feeds a child in the developing world for 12 days, or can vaccinate two children. So go to markskid.com to make your mark on the world this season. Use the checkout code POWERMAZOO for 15% off your first order and free U.S. shipping. Once again, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, football tomorrow, basketball Monday, and we'll be back on the podcast a week from right now.